1: PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
0: hey this is adam from toronto and i support creative control
1: because vish is full stop one of the best arts interviewers in canada or anywhere in the world really he approaches every episode like he's known the artist for years creating a conversational atmosphere that gets straight to the heart of the work no one else in podcasting gets it quite right like he does with a mixture of meticulous research wise artistic insights and well-humored personal connections i proudly support vish and creative control on patreon you should too
0: to make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. million, Turnbull is a gifted and prolific multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, producer, engineer, and singer based in Toronto, Ontario. Since first emerging and releasing records as Slim Twig, Turnbull has gone on to lead bands like Badge Epic Ensemble and Symphony Orchestra, and collaborate with his wife, Meg Remy, in her work as U.S. Girls. Turnbull is often busy making and playing music, and Beyond touring with U.S. Girls, 2023 has seen him release two great albums via Telephone Explosion, a fantastic symphony orchestra record called Radiant Music, which came out in May, and now Air, Light, and Harmony by Badge Epic Ensemble, which is available on November 3rd. Max returns to this show to discuss those bands and those records and also stuff like uh, touring with Toddler Twins, What it can be like touring and speaking with Bill Callahan. Composing music, but also composting music. Sampling your own band and conceptual complexity. Working with his friend Michael Rolt and starting the psychedelic R&B pop band Symphony Orchestra. When your kids like the stuff you make and also the stuff you like. Future plans and much more a part of the Entertainment One network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. That is the primary source of revenue uh, for this show and all the work that I put into this show. So if you can, if you can afford it and you feel like supporting me and uh, my efforts, please support the Creative Control Podcast on Patreon. It means a lot. Thank you. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with bricks and mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and a website where you can order stuff yourself, uh, blackbird.ca. Say you want the new Badge Epic Ensemble record, or or if you want uh, the new uh, Symphony Orchestra record, Radiant Music, whatever it is you want, just go to blackbird.ca, type in what you want, see if they've got it, and if, if they've got it, they'll ship it right to your house. It's just that simple. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 814 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Maximilian Turnbull, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. you, got music. you can't expect that, you will feel
1: good throughout the day.
0: Hey, Max. How's it going? Good. How are you, Vish? Oh, I'm very well. Thanks for asking. Where in the world are you? I am
1: uh, in my little garage home studio, uh, which is just underneath our apartment. It was formerly a garage, and now we make music down here. Oh. Or record the odd podcast, I guess, too.
0: (laughs) That's what garages are for. One of the most prominent podcast guys was all about his garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Is that a recent development for you to have taken over the garage? Yeah,
1: like subsequent to uh, pandemic, we put down roots here. So, you know, we sort of investigated the notion of possibly getting a house and then realized, nope, that's not going to be possible as musicians uh, unless yeah. we want to live, you know, five hours away from Toronto. Um, so the uh, alternate was uh, to renovate the what was formerly a garage space beneath our apartment, and we're lucky that we have a really great friend who's also our landlord and have come up with a really great arrangement for that so yeah we kind of just in in the same sort of week had a downstairs which formerly didn't exist to our apartment and two kids so it was kind of a a bit of a revolution in lifestyle
0: yeah yeah well that's great i'm sorry did you say it's a proper recording studio or more of a practice facility uh it's like a in the box
1: recording nook i would say yeah
0: okay Okay. So have we, Have you made anything in the garage that we've heard on a badge record or anywhere else?
1: Yeah, the new badge album, Air Light and Harmony, was essentially done here. Oh. Um, so it's, which was, yeah, cause, uh, following up from Clouds of Joy, which had been recorded in, like, three studios proper, an extensive cast of, like, almost 20 musicians, uh, not all at the same session, but... This record is sort of a, a come down from that approach and the, and much more sort of the energy was instead of doing like these massive canvases, like sort of sketches and, and the garage studio is, is perfect for that.
0: Yeah. OK, well, before we get deeper into all of this great work uh, that you've been up to, um, you did allude to your, your family there. And I, uh, as, a, as someone who uh, is familiar with them and friendly, how, how I, I must ask, because I'm a polite person, you see? <laughs> I know it's uh, some people think I'm just killing time, but I like to ask how people are doing because I'm yeah. civilized. I'm a nice, I try to be, I, I'm not, I don't know if I am, but I try to be a, a nice uh, person. So my in, question in is... In
1: real life <laughs> and on podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I try to be. So uh, <laughs> how are Meg? How are your children doing?
1: Good. Every, everyone's good, you know. We're mostly healthy, you know. We, we got back from tour not too long ago and we take our kids with us. And it seems like when you travel, you inevitably get some mysterious kind of cough. But mm-hmm. um, we've shook most of those cobwebs and everyone's good. And we're happy to be home again.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, just for those who may be wondering, it's not really anyone's business, but I, I'm curious, how old are your children again? Are they, they must be, what, two, three, something like that?
1: Right in the middle, yeah. We have two, yeah. two-and-a-half-year-old boys.
0: Right now, uh, and they're twins. For those who have uh, missed uh, uh, Meg's previous uh, uh, appearances on the show, and maybe we've talked about it too, Max. uh, You got twins. You got two for the price of one, so to speak. This is this is true. (laughs) Now, uh, those of us who have traveled uh, on tour with uh, bands, depending on the dynamic, it, it can be the case that any one adult uh, in the course of a trip, will start to act like a little child and you have to deal with their personality quirks and, their and people could lose their minds a little bit sometimes on tour and they regress. And so I'm used to that. I've been that guy, you know, we've all been there. I think, what is it like to actually tour with actual toddlers? Uh, how difficult is that if it is at all? Was it smooth sailing the whole time?
1: Uh, it's it's been really good I feel like you know the sort of regression that you're talking about musicians can often resemble teenagers or something on tour where these guys are truly toddlers so it's like yeah. a bit of a different energy but it's difficult but it, it works for us you know Meg and I just sort of joke when we have come off the road the, the two times we've done it now that we didn't actually go on tour we just did a weird family vacation that involves yeah. <laughs> uh, playing concerts most nights Um but we have a very a dear friend who's also a musician that comes and and helps out as the sort of third uh, parent and yeah. um, sort of takes takes the boys um, from soundcheck on kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's funny th- those two kids they they don't know no different. They don't know that they're doing something unique. But um, uh, yeah, and they're probably no. too young to retain these memories. I'm thinking so. Yeah, it's just interesting. I wonder what, I wonder how how it's going to impact them in a long-term way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I first went on tour when I was 18 and they've done it at two years old. (laughs) Um, And we're not anticipating that we're going to be like touring for the next 20 years. So we're trying to like savor it and, uh, you know, do, do our due diligence with journaling and things like that to try and have some memories that we can produce for them, but yeah, it's like it's you know, I think being around musicians and being around music certainly has been a huge part of their formation that I think will stick with them. Yeah. But, you know, as far as remembering it, probably not.
0: Yeah. In terms of the material conditions, uh so the experiential aspect of touring, you've done it uh before there was a pandemic, you've done it during a pandemic. Uh what's it kind of like out there? What's your perspective on how it feels to be a touring... And sorry, you just alluded to it and I don't know if you were just being uh, realistic or like, you know, maybe we won't be touring for the next 20 years. I couldn't help but wonder if that was a comment on the kind of um, actual conditions of of touring and how viable it is. All this to say, can you, from your perspective, uh, give us a sense of what it's kind of like out there as we're speaking right now? I
1: feel like my... Observations about it are so specific because uh I did a lot of touring before the pandemic. that was great but sort of unremarkable in the in the scheme of like what the experience of touring might be like. you know it's like uncomfortable for your body, yeah, but it's good fun socially until it's not, and then the shows are always like the high point and it's a sort of strange dynamic of waiting around and doing very little. And then finally doing, you know, this 45 minutes of great activity that sort of sustains your energy. So that was sort of, you know, the conditions previous to, to pandemic stuff. And then following pandemic, like we've just jumped into it with kids. So I, I find it like my experience of touring now is characterized much more by like traveling with my family in a minivan and meeting the band at the venue and, than, you know, having the band pack up while Meg and I peace out to, like, go parent again. Um, yeah, right. It's much more characterized by that experience, which feels very particular than it is by, like, the, the shift in material conditions or the shift in audience attitudes. I feel like people are on their phones less, which is something that I was um, pleasantly surprised by oh. just getting back from uh, U.S. Girls tour. I feel like before the pandemic, that was such a bugaboo of like concerts are so difficult because everyone's just like in your grill with a phone the whole time and and not really engaging. And that was one observation that I think I was positively struck by is that people that are that are at these shows are pretty excited to just have an encounter um, that exists beyond yeah, the the devices, you know, and I feel like the, for many people that the experience of the pandemic and all that has made that a very binary thing, you know, between phone experiences and real life ones, and concerts are certainly in, in the latter camp. So yeah. that 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 was a cool thing to see.
0: That's actually quite heartening, to be honest. Uh, people are. <laughs> Well, I'm out of the house and away from my screens. I'd like to keep it that way as much as possible. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Well, I appreciate those updates and those perspectives. Thank you for that. Uh, as we're speaking, I feel like uh, your excellent band, uh, Badge Epic Ensemble, is maybe in a new state in terms of its configuration, I think. Uh, I'm basing mm-hmm. this on some photographs I've seen recently. Where I'm like, I don't know if I know everyone now. Can you, uh, <laughs> right, can you yeah. first of all tell us what the state of the current band is in terms of who's in it, and maybe what precipitated some of the uh, changes?
1: Well, I guess um, broadly, I think of Badge Epic Ensemble as a sort of modular unit, but there's sort of eight instrumentalists that uh, are core group members. So Jay Anderson on drums, uh, Chris Bezant on guitar, Gio Rosati on bass, uh, Ali O'Brien on flute, Ed Squires on conga, Karen Ng on uh, saxophone, myself on a variety of things, and uh, Edwin DeHuey who's maybe the person that you're thinking, Oh, I don't know who that uh, yeah, very young looking, be. uh, <laughs> the, the joke is he looks like Walter Becker and he's obsessed with Steely Dan. So oh. the young 25 year old looking Walter Becker fellow is, uh, my, my friend Edwin who, who joined, um, as of clouds of joy. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of, kind of in a, it's a modular thing. And, you know, if I were to add one more person, I'd say Dorothea Poss, who we've now played a couple shows with who, um, did the vocal arrangements on clouds and, and, uh, has sung with us live too. Okay, Um, But essentially it's that eight core instrumentalists and it's sort of at this point a sort of ad hoc who's available and who's
0: interested and let's go from there proposition when we're doing shows and and recording. Is that a challenge to have a modular band where a key person might not be available?
1: Yes, (laughs) which is precisely why it's kind of at the condition now of like who wants to, who's around, uh, you know, This is, this is like, it it doesn't come down to how much money there is, but I, you know, with, with shows, it's just like, this is what we can do, who wants to do it. And I kind of think of it as a creative challenge to, um, figure that out, you know? So the good thing about the modularness of it is that I can like sub in for a few different instruments. You know, if, if we don't have geo on bass, then I can sub in there I can sub in on keys if Edwin's not available, and uh, can play a little bit of guitar. So we're in a phase with the band where it just—it's a make it work kind of thing.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. Does Badge and forgive me because I can't—I can't keep track of everyone and their activities. Has Badge ever done like extensive touring the way U.S. Girls might for a couple? I mean, at this point, I feel like you're doing uh, a couple week chunks, maybe. Um, but has Badge ever done like extensive? Touring? Uh, no, 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 we've not.
1: Yeah. I think just by nature of being like the small version of the group is often six people, you know, yeah. um, which is a pretty high threshold to clear as far as making that materially possible. So we, you know, we formed the band kind of and very quickly did this like uh, cross Canada. I say in air quotes because it was four shows, but uh, on either coast um, with Bill Callahan, and that was a really fantastic experience um and we've did we did some shows opening for us girls because there was so much shared personnel mm-hmm. but yeah we kind of it's just been a mostly toronto thing i i feel like I, i'm in a fortunate position where i can kind of get those touring experiences and um from doing us girl stuff and then when i come to the badge i'm just a little bit more level-headed about what's possible because yeah. I, I find that one thing about the touring economy is that it's sort of like it thrives on the, the dreams of musicians, you know, people who would love to, nothing more than to like, oh, let's go tour Europe, even though it's not materially feasible. Yeah, so yeah. I just try to keep a level head and, and um, acknowledge that I have um, been in a fortunate place to, to play internationally. And this is a group that's sort of more oriented around the recording experience of producing records and uh, playing more locally
0: Oh, I appreciate that level-headedness, and I, I, as you sort of allude to, it's uh, based on various uh, unfortunate factors on some level, but also the reality of, of what it's like to be a musician right now. Um, you alluded to Bill Callahan there. Uh, sorry, how many dates did you do with, uh, with Bill? Four, Yeah, which a- was really
1: early on in the group, and it was sort of an experience that I think really solidified a certain chemistry and it's cool that we've we have had that experience of doing a little bit of travel together and have had the experience of like meeting audiences cold yeah um and and being able to win people over or have that sensation but it's not really part of the repertoire at present
0: yeah Uh, did you get to interact much with bill what was the experience like overall
1: yeah i mean i'm sure you must have interviewed bill right
0: Bill's, uh, yeah, I've interviewed Bill a few times. He's been on uh, this particular show uh, a couple times. And once, uh, how many times have I talked to Bill? Yeah, a couple, three, four times, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he, he's very, um, as he is in song, sort of like wryly funny, and but hard to um, <laughs> feel totally comfortable around or get a straight, read on just uh-huh. due to his sort of dead deadpan nature so yeah. there was definitely a few green room interactions and like had the sensation that we were chosen by him somehow to, yeah. to play those shows which was uh very flattering but yeah i don't he, he sort of speaks in like little aphoristic fragments or something <laughs> and you kind of uh do your best to yeah to sort out what he's what he's suggesting
0: I don't want to get too inside baseball here, but I want to share something because it does irk me a little bit. Yeah. Um, Bill ha- Bill has been on this show a few times now, or co- again, I can't remember if it's two or three times. And um, I want to be careful here. I love Bill and I respect him deeply, so I don't want to um, say anything uh, that might uh, offend uh, him or, or his audience or, or whatever. But, and I don't think I I am, I'm telling tales at a school necessarily, but, um, I have kind of a running joke that when I'm editing episodes, um, with people, um, I often end up like, I, I, whatever, I end up with a, a raw file, um, when I'm mixing tracks and that let's say that's, um, let's say that's 60 minutes. And then as I go through it a second time, I'm taking out some, you know, sentences that get restarted. I'm taking out ums and ahs. I really try to, I'm just, I just try to make the thing sound as as good as it can yeah. and for the guests to come across as well as I can. So that 60 minute raw file after all of that, it might be 56 minutes. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, because I've taken out some some dead air and whatnot. So as I was releasing Bill episodes, uh, some people would come out of the woodwork to be like, man, you, you're cutting him off. <laughs> you, you cut him off. You're cutting him off there. And what they don't know is that if a Bill a chat, if Bill and I have a chat and it's a 60 minute raw file, I can, it's a it's like 45 minutes by the time I'm done because I've taken out a lot of dead space. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm just waiting for him it's great. Like I love the experience of talking to him. Obviously, he's just such a legend. I look up to him so much. I love his music, yeah. but he is a someone. All I'm getting at is he speaks, and I think you're saying it too, uh, to some extent. He speaks not only in in riddles, but haltingly, deliberately. Sure. Yeah, the sentence and he'll ends start, there.
1: <laughs> Rather than yeah, he'll being start to say underpart. something.
0: Yeah, he'll take like he'll start to say something, and 15 seconds go by yeah. before he completes the sentence. And yeah. so the end result is people are mad at me because it sounds like I've made it. A, I, and I listen back sometimes. I'm like, it's not a choppy edit. He just wasn't going to go. He doesn't say anything else. Right. He stopped. So then it's 15 seconds of me moving that. Anyway, sorry, this was a, a little bit of a tangent. I'm just giving some people an inside perspective on what it's like. And you are too, to interact with someone like Bill, who's like brilliant, but... Um, uh, enigmatic and and you gotta hang on every word anyway sorry thank you for indulging that does what I'm saying resonate with you in terms of your interactions with him
1: yeah I, I think you know there's certain people who you know thinking about his his music you know he there's an open-endedness to it that's very inviting for speculation you know yeah and yeah. that that experience that kind of encounter with stuff can make some people uncomfortable um i yeah. you know vividly remember him performing uh i'm a fan but i'm not so so super in depth with like song titles and things but he has one song about taking prisoners swimming as like a prison guard or something like that and it's just so you're trying to get your bearings sort of morally in the song um or yeah. just simply in terms of the images and, and, what they're suggesting to you. It's just so deeply yeah. subje- subjective. And I, I just really appreciate that about his, his work. And I think he's sort of like that in person too, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're, le- you're yeah, left I, to wonder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's not one to uh pussyfoot around. Uh, I think he, um, uh, but I think everything is done with a spirit of, uh, well, he's certainly a very smart and clever guy. Um, and I think there's empathy there, but every once in a while, yeah, you're like, uh oh, what's happening? <laughs> uh, what side yeah. of the song am I supposed to be on here? You know? So, anyway, I, I do love him and I love speaking to him, but it is an example I, I encounter where if I get hate mail, it's usually because I've cut off Bill Callahan. Sure. And I have to write back and be like, no, you don't understand. It might, and I mean, it does make me question like, should I just put it out the raw audio so <laughs> I, that people can actually hear what it's like to, interact with him but uh anyway we'll yeah. see what happens if he's ever on the show again anyway that yeah. was a, a a fairly wild tangent but it's nice to hear that you you bonded over uh the experience as bandmates uh getting on the road and uh yeah and whatnot so let's let's talk a little bit about um air Light, and harmony uh my understanding is that this concludes a trilogy that began with um, Nature, Man, and Woman, which came out in 2019, and then uh, a couple years later we had Future, Past, and Present. Now we have Air, Light, and Harmony. Obviously, a nominal connection. What do you uh, makes this a trilogy as a band per se?
1: Well, I think essentially, like each of these records takes an approach where um, we compost materials from the preceding album. So with Nature, Man, and Woman. We took some drum stems and, and flute stems and created a new composition based on using previously recorded stuff from the, the debut album, which had come out uh, a few months before. So the idea was just to, to make use of like these studio quality sounds and create new compositions from them like in a, more of a home recorded environment, essentially. Hmm. Um, and that's what we did with Future Past and Present as well, where took stems and sounds from self-help our second proper album and made a new composition, the the title track recombining and and using those old elements. Uh, So I don't like to leave scraps on the table, you might say. yeah. And now with air light and harmony, it's sort of like an album with several compositions that repurpose like fragments of music from previous releases.
0: Um,
1: So that's sort of the concept of it.
0: So there's something inherently reflective about your own band in this process that I want to ask you about. But I would be remiss if I didn't uh, step back to ask you about your use of the word composting. I've not heard musicians suggest that they compost their own material. Is that music speak that I'm just not hip to? Uh, What does that mean? Where did you get that from? (laughs) Uh, I guess it's just
1: a manner of speaking for me, but (laughs) I find myself often like in a place where it would be cool to write a tune, but I don't have someone playing drums, uh, I could pull up some loops or I could just dig into my catalog of stems, you know, having access to these wonderfully recorded drums and start chopping, chopping them up and slowing them down and pitching them this way and that and, and, and start songwriting based on using in-house sounds. And then I sort of took that a little bit further and, sort of chopping up flute sounds and, and, and making new, you know, melodic fragments that way. And, uh, you know, th- there, there's such an emphasis like on kind of creating a period feel with some of the bad stuff of like, um, really appreciating the texture of like seventies records. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, this is one of the ways in which we can kind of contemporize what we're doing, um, by having a sort of self-reflective, uh, conception of the band and, and by using the, the, the live recorded elements in, in multiple ways, you know, trying to get really good takes and, and doing that thing where it's kind of a, we have a few songs that are like a bit of a flex of like, there's no overdubs, there's no edits, it's like, you know, five, six people in a studio, this is what it sounds like. And I like to go the opposite direction of, of uh, getting the, the clippers out and, and making something that's, you know, a little more contemporary in its approach as well with the same sort of textures and, and blurring the lines between those, those techniques too.
0: It's really that's really fascinating and it reminds me of i I'm, I'm not sure what prompted you to think of such an idea whether it was any artist or 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 something i understand the practicality of what you're describing but that's just an interesting mm-hmm. impulse to have because what it reminds me of is i mean earlier this year i got uh i, I re-immersed myself in the world of beastie boys because uh adam horovitz from the band and i had a chat and i reread uh their book bc boys book and mm-hmm. they they had a sort of they they came upon they made a similar sort of realization had more to do with the fact that they were paying out uh, exorbitant amounts of money for samples yeah and i think it was adam, adam Yauk who was like why don't we just sample ourselves yeah um so so their their hip-hop songs um which you know this was just i i i'm mean, sorry i think you know where i'm going with this max like that's that, yeah. to me, seemed like a unique approach in their mode. And when I asked Adam, you know, was anyone else... That's To me, that's a really ingenious way of doing contemporary music and, and, and the sample aesthetic, but using your own original material. And I asked him, like, was anyone else doing that? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. maybe. That's <laughs> how he answered most of, the, most of the questions. But can you talk about your own impulse to be like, wait a minute, why don't I yeah. just sort of sample ourselves where did that kind of come from beyond the practical aspect
1: yeah i mean the first album i ever kind of released professionally uh in 2009 was uh, as slim twig uh and the album's called contempt and the the approach that i was using at that time was sample based i was making beats essentially you know with a little boss sp 303 sampler and um that was sort of just like my genesis as a as a musician was kind of like trying to to make music that resembled like the RZA and and, and Madlib at least instrumentally, yeah. and yeah. from that kind of got onto the wavelength of getting into all the records that the sort of generation from from the mid nineties forward through to the mid two thousands, just learning about the sample sources of all that music from these wonderful um, hip hop producers. And that was sort of my entry point into making music. And then, you know, years passed and I, and I started making music, you know, with, with instruments, guitars and keyboards and drums and getting bands going and and this kind of thing. And, uh, that led to the badge epic ensemble. And all of a sudden I find myself like the head of a, a jazz funk ensemble, like being someone who doesn't have any, um, classical training whose grasp of music theory is like a sort of, I understand it on a sort of conceptual and cerebral level, but my fingers don't do the thing where you uh, play scales and stuff at an uh, incredible speed. Um, I just don't operate that way as a musician, so I, I find it sort of jarring at times when I realize that like, I'm uh, the band leader of this group that's marketed as like a... A jazz funk sort of thing um yeah. consciously like that, that's my decision uh to to present it that way yeah. but th- doing this other approach sort of allows me to get in touch with how i landed in this spot and i think having a few different approaches under the banner of badge just is a sort of source of comfort um for me to to remind myself oh yeah i'm i'm not like Pursuing this music along the line of being a virtuoso, I'm pursuing it on a sort of conceptual, cerebral curiosity that's that's personal to me. And I'm sort of most at home on a production front, so chopping things up and treating sounds and kind of arranging in this sort of collage manner. Um, those are the skills that kind of I employ to create the, the live records, and uh, I sort of like to complete the circle by then also. Still pursuing collage music essentially with with these ingredients that are produced as a result of making the live records.
0: This is where it gets a little complicated for me in terms of the inherent origin aspects of a song. When you play pieces uh, I, sorry, just to differentiate between what you just said about the live band, you're talking about the albums you make where the band is in a room. Um, mm-hmm. and recording as one as opposed to playing live. I just want to make that distinction because that's where my question's going. When Badge plays live, when I've seen you play live, it has elements of free improv, I suppose, even though I don't think that's what's going on, but it has that freedom. Sorry, mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't... Yeah. There's no improv in Badge, per se, is there?
1: There is, but it's pretty reined in. Yeah. you know, We don't yeah. go on there without, oh, let's just see what happens. It's like... Uh, right. We have certain compositions where the form can be open and more so to to, um, more latitude to certain people in the group, you know, who are most comfortable with that. Right. Um, But yeah, that's like in the mix, but I wouldn't say it's the dominant uh, technique.
0: Right. So when you take to the stage's badge and you play pieces from any one of these records from this trilogy, are you pretty faithful to the trilogy arrangements of the songs?
1: Well, it's interesting. We've not really performed any of the collage stuff. Whenever we've performed live, we sort of stick with the stuff that we've made conventionally in the studio. And the kind of collage material is sort of... For one thing, like Nature Man and Woman, it's an album that has three songs on it, sort of an EP, I guess. And one of the songs is this collage approach. That's the title track. And Future Past and Present, same kind of thing. The concept of that record was... Releasing instrumental versions of all the songs that we had done collaboratively with vocalists Mm -hmm. uh, and including one new composition, which was a longer composition, one of these collage pieces, again, the title track. And then this latest album, Air Light and Harmony, is taking the idea of that that we use to, to create those two compositions, which have never been performed live and doing an album that uses some of those techniques, uh, more extensively. Okay. I would say. Okay. So we just haven't really had the opportunity to perform the, the collage stuff. It hasn't like felt like an intuitive thing to do, hmm. but we're going to play a couple of shows in Toronto in December. And I think, um, that might be on the agenda given that it's sort of, more conceptually uh, central to the, the latest release.
0: So you would play the collage arrangements for those shows in December? I think so. So, so that's <laughs> We haven't practiced yet, okay. so... Okay. <laughs> this is where it gets sort of... Where I was going with this is that that's really... I mean, it's interesting and fascinating, but it's sort of weird. that That's going to be... Sorry, maybe it won't be that weird, but you've... It just seems like the, the original song is going to be sleeping in this other song, and... You know what? I, I don't even know if I have a question. It just gets kind of meta. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just sort of like, what is this This collage is like well, from the old? Like, could you do a medley where the old yeah. song melds into the collage? And would that make coherent, would that be a, a, a coherent I, listening I, experience? Like, I've... I maybe overcomplicating the, this as I tend to do. I'm sorry, but it's it seems odd.
1: <laughs> I feel like the the deeper I get into this, I realize that my musical kink is like conceptual complexity, you know? Yeah. And it's not everyone's yeah. bag, but that's that's what does it for me and that's the sort of the thread that I'm often pulling. I just like sort of, you know, I guess tying back to the Bill Callahan thing, I really like ambiguity. I like sort of choose your own adventure at approach of of encountering music where you hear something and it's not immediately straightforward the sensation you should be having and I like extending that to sort of being very self-reflexive about what this band is, you know? So yeah. creating a music video that takes the form of like one of these long winded rock docs with a talking head, explaining the history of the band and all their archival footage. Like yeah. we did a music video like that and having a box set. That's like a CD five CD box set with a Blu-ray that has a, you know, like as if the band is a classic rock, uh, <laughs> archetype, you know, <laughs> I like playing with these forms and, and having a kind yeah. of meta complexity that, uh, I don't know. It just it, it, it makes it interesting for me personally. No,
0: it's it's like I, and it's a really um, inclusive complexity. Like the spirit of Badge is one that if you're watching the band uh, and you're lucky to get to see them, it moves you physically and uh, emotionally. So it's not um, insular, if I may. Um, yeah. I think that's a really key for those who may be unfamiliar. We're not talking about some, I don't know, experimental white noise group or something it's uh (laughs) it's 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 quite the opposite um
1: well i feel that the the just to tie tie that up like i feel like the group functions in a few different capacities and one of them is like max is sort of conceptualizing about things and then the other is like oh there's like six to eight human beings who are just making music together and if you encounter that live that's what you're experiencing is like the chemistry of these individuals rather than like what i think about the record and spin it as later you know which is a whole other sphere of the music i guess that you can digest as much or as little as you want
0: well again and the complexity we're describing is sort of conceptual like you have to kind of read about the complexity as opposed to feeling like what the hell is this as you're listening to it you know what i mean like it's not jarring to listen to it's just if you're paying attention yeah i hate to overuse this term because it it um it, it connotes uh comic book films or whatever but you're creating a weird little multiverse for Badge with each with with the trilogy. I feel like with the yeah. with the subtle callbacks and it's like Easter eggs on some level, but they're also not obvious in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, it, it's recontextualization like this. It's very interesting, and the deconstructionist. It's it's just very fascinating to to know that's how you constructed uh, these pieces, but as I was trying to say, I don't think it hits you over the head as a listener. Sure. You know what I'm yeah. getting at? Like the theory of it all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, you go to an art gallery, you can read the little thing beside the art piece or you can just look at it, you know?
0: Yes. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. This interview might be the most complicated aspect <laughs> of these exercises. And I'm sorry if I've muddled things further. No, no. Um, on the, on a different end of the spectrum, symphony orchestra Uh, this is another group you're in uh, and i want you to first of all who what is symphony orchestra who's in it
1: symphony orchestra is a songwriting partnership and recording project uh, between myself and my friend the singer-songwriter instrumentalist producer michael ralt
0: right now I say it's on the other end of the spectrum because I think this is among the most accessible music. I think, sorry, Max, this might be the, some of the most accessible music I think you've ever made. Um, it is, is is confection, it's like pop confection. It stirred, mm-hmm. I, I pushed play on this record for the first time and everyone at the dining, at the kitchen table just involuntarily started moving to, I believe it's the title track, Radiant Music. And so- yeah. That's a different kind of instant uh, connection. Where did this um, uh, project sort of emanate from, and did you kind of articulate uh, what you wanted to do together? Because it's really beautiful, and uh, I'm just curious. Again, I hope it's not disparaging to say it's the most accessible thing you've done. No. Do you agree with that sentiment?
1: Yeah, I think it was sort of formulated with that in mind for it to be, uh, yeah, songs, song forms that are, you know, (laughs) playing... You can play with convention like that. It sort of like allows for the convention to be visible, or you can play with convention by tossing it out the window. This is definitely like playing with the convention in a way where it's visible to people. These are songs.
0: Yeah. So is that that Michael's domain is not far outside of this kind of realm? Is that fair?
1: Yeah, he's he's a singer songwriter. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So what were the challenges in this union, per se, in terms of getting uh, ideas you both had across in this pop-centric manner?
1: Well, Michael and I have been friends for a, a long while, and um, I, while well, I think the music that we make is sort of uh, contrast uh, in, in possibly counterintuitive ways, if you listen to things in like a sort of niche uh, capacity, We've done some, yeah, he's he's played on some badge stuff and we've done some US Girls recordings together and just very, he played on uh, the last Slim Twig record. So there's always been that collaboration, but uh, we wanted to sort of like up the stakes of just how collaborative it was and create some songs, the two of us. And I think it's just a cool fusion of the fact that we have different skills. You know, Michael is a fantastic lead singer, for instance, and harmonizer and, like, a a fantastic arranger of harmony vocal. And uh, he also has, like, just the best feel, you know, that sort of mysterious quantity known as feel on a variety of instruments. Like, his feel on drums is so particular, and his feel on bass is just, like, so deeply funky. And he can, like, interlock arrangement between bass and drum sort of in his mind in a sort of preconceived way and um, create something beautiful Um, you know and my skills I think that I was bringing to this are just sort of like a cerebral dimension to like chords um, chord progressions that have like a counterintuitive harmonic flavor to them that is compelling and um, I really like writing lyrics and my lyrics are um would you be surprised kind of cerebral (laughs) and uh sort of into the the, like notions about consciousness and 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 the experience of consciousness so i was writing from that place and sort of bringing my skills uh as a a writer both with chords and and words and and michael's skills as a a arranger and um instrumentalist and and, uh and singer and sort of you know throwing that all into a, a big gumbo and um Creating something that we, that we both liked, which is probably like a little bit left of center for people who love Michael Ralt records and yeah. a little bit more, um, you know, closer to the con- conventional song forms for people who like Badge. So, something for everyone.
0: You know, who uh, also can kind of pull this trick off of doing something that's musically sophisticated and yet uh, earwormy is that uh, US girls, you know? what I'm talking about there, Uh, was that, was playing, you live with U.S. girls, you have children with U.S. girls, you play in U.S. girls. Is that a conscious or subconscious influence on a project like this one or your work generally?
1: I feel that our life is a conscious influence on our work. And because we spend so much of our lives in parallel, then the work kind of Takes on similar qualities, though they're expressed differently. Yeah, but like the you know the symphony orchestra, the song forms are a lot closer to U.S. Girls song forms. So there, maybe there's more of a commonality between this project and and the U.S. Girls records.
0: I mean, from the outside, if I think of Max Turnbull, I think, oh well, Max has his different outlets. He's got the ability to express some manner of um, maybe a, a, a jonesing for pop music in his role in US Girls it's not his project mm-hmm. and then he's got his other you know more expansive things i that's rather reductive i suppose but symphony orchestra seems like something of a meeting place between your more abstract impulses and the more pop oriented stuff you do is that too simplistic but uh, what do you think
1: no i think that's that's fair to say i just kind of got to a point where i realized I'm I'm like a music producer and I, I don't know precisely what that means, but yeah. I know that I'm not someone who's going to be in a band, the same band and only that band for 45 years. Yeah, I have to have a lot of different outlets to express different facets of my curiosity for music. So yeah, symphony orchestras is um, among them now. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, an overly active concern. We made a record that we both really like and, was an expression of our friendship and our our like the sort of mutual point in our love of music because you know there's certain songs or certain groups or certain production techniques and things that Michael and I both um, share and are, are finding like various expression in, in our respective other projects, but you know yeah. doing something was like ah oh, we 're both obsessed with the way ten cc records sound and and like the sort of strange tone of the of the first couple records by 10 CC, that was like a big influence that hmm. was a, a mutual thing we would talk about, you know, before we made this project. And then this was sort of a place where we could express that influence among others and, and other ideas together.
0: I know the band is called uh symphony orchestra and uh, I, but I can't help but ask, are, are either of you familiar with unknown mortal orchestra? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: Of course, yeah.
0: (laughs) Because do you see where I'm going here, Max? There's a. I feel like I thought, oh, this got to be a touchstone, and then I was like, wait, orchestra. Because I was like, symphony orchestra is a bit of a. It's an interesting name to pluck out of the uh, ether for this kind of music. And to the point, and I was like, "Why is it called Symphony Orchestra?" And then, as I was listening to it, I'm like, "This kind of reminds me a little bit sometimes of uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra." And then I was like, "Orchestra? What the hell? What's with the Uh, (laughs) orchestra?" So then I'm like, like, I, "I
1: don't know enough about that that band to presume anything." But for us, like, the name is a for me, anyways. It's sort of like a humorous flex, you know, because. Yeah, between the two of us we can engineer we can mix we can produce we can arrange we can write we can sing we can dance da, 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 you know um so it's just sort of a f- humorous flex okay but i feel like that the unknown mortal orchestra dude like he's the same kind of cut as michael i feel like he plays a bunch of the yeah 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 m- bunch are predominantly the, like most of the instruments on on the records and it's like yeah. feel oriented you know and is informed by r&b on some level that's michael you know yeah Um, like
0: psychedelic r&b though like it it has that yeah michael's
1: like a shuggy otis kind of guy Yeah, like yeah it's like psyche but it's so much to do with the playing and like the i don't know the intricacy of of like michael loves music from new orleans you know so that like alan Toussaint kind of flavor it's just like this funk that has to do with like how you carry your body or something um, and transmuting that experience through an instrument—that's—I just love that quality about Michael, and wanted to make a record that was like, what would my favorite Michael Rawl record sound like? It would sound like this. <laughs> well, it's, so that was like my, my my concept.
0: <laughs> it's really spectacular. I'm a little sad to hear you say that you don't think it might be a going concern. Um, that suggests you're not. No plans for a follow-up at this point.
1: We're we're cooking a, a song right now. So, oh. like, I don't I don't mean to say you know, that was a one-off or something. It's just like, we live on opposite coasts. I got two kids and you know, like no plans to play live particularly. So it's like we're homies and next week cross paths, probably music will be to do with it. So hmm. there will be at least one new symphony orchestra song, you know, sometime probably next year.
0: Okay. Well, that's lovely to hear. I love it. My family loves it. Uh, and uh, you know,
1: families love it. My kids like rec- they requested listening to this album like and not request is too polite they demand listening to it like multiple times a day you know of all the music that Meg and I are involved with it, like this record was the one that they picked up on and so we'd get them saying Michael Amigas now so super super loud that's what they would say like every day for like two months
0: <laughs> there's something uh, maybe people without kids may not uh, appreciate this as much but there's something extremely gratifying Uh, when your kids like the thing that you like we've we've been having this experience this year in my family where they've glommed on to certain records uh as we're speaking what are the ones like uh, sorry max as you might guess i i I go through a lot of records to prepare for conversations like this one and it's just a constant cycle of like okay everyone and and, and sorry because of The nature of my house we're all kind of around and uh i have it on when i'm cooking and i have it on when i'm doing the dishes and i have it on sometimes and they get to hear it and either be like this sucks when is this going to be done i'm like well i did the interview's tuesday like okay good to know and then other times like what is this this is the best thing i've ever heard so we've had like a buck 65 record that hasn't left rotation since it was introduced (laughs) we have uh, as we're speaking, uh, there's a new uh, excellent uh, Neil Hamburger Christmas album called uh, "Seasonal Depression Suite." They love it. I have to play it every day. This is a record yeah. where they were requesting it all the time. But I'm telling you, that engagement from your kids with something you like, and I mean, good lord, yeah. I was just telling my son today about the. I was we were walking to school, and I was like, "Do you ever think how weird and lucky it is that you got to interview uh, Ad Rock from Beastie Boys?" And my son, without <laughs> skipping a beat, said, uh, always. You know, he, he, that yeah. resonated with him. I'm like, I, I'm just sorry. It just occurred to me that we, well, actually, what I said to him after I'll, uh, I was fishing, I'm like, so, yeah, I'm a good dad. Yeah. And he went, Yeah, yes, you're a great dad. So <laughs> anyway, all this, this is a nepotism said, thing. It works for you, son. Yes, <laughs> yes dad. <laughs> he is a nepo baby. Yes, that's right. If he wants to pursue <laughs> these things. No, uh, did, would you agree? Like when your kids like a thing you made or had something to do with, there's nothing like that feeling, is there?
1: Well, it's interesting because I feel like there is a distinction between, like, the kids like the same stuff as you. That, like, Mm -hmm. does something to whatever pleasure uh, center in your brain. And, like, that is one flavor because my kids, they love the Harry Nelson animated film The Point, which is, like, also my favorite movie. Oh, nice. Check this out. And now they love it and are obsessed with it. It's a variation of that when it's something that you made because I find the things I make after the fact that they've been released like acquire weird self-conscious dimension about them Mm -hmm. of like oh did this do well or whatever um so having to like listen to that album that you're sort of like uh feeling weird and cynical and self-conscious about like multiple times a day for a month sort of was actually a helpful point in the process of digesting the experience of having released some music you know which is like a touchy point for many musicians myself included um So I'm thankful to them that they made it clear that there was a a very uh, firm purpose for this music, Um, Mm. even if it was a very localized one, you know, at least a purpose that I'm aware of because the records, they have lives of their own that you don't get to know about. But uh, it was nice to see for sure.
0: Well, enjoy it while you can because my son is 12 and like I say, there's discernment now. Can this stop? I'm glad, or I'm glad we don't have yeah. to listen to that record anymore. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just lovely. It's an it's an interesting uh, experience to share such things with your family and uh, get their feedback. I don't know, it means a lot to me anyway. So, uh, all this to say, uh, Max, you've alluded to some potential future plans for Badge and for I guess for Symphony Orchestra. If you're cooking up a song otherwise what's sort of coming up next for you and your various projects i don't know
1: i I feel like i'm kind of at a stage where i'm trying to wind down a lot of things i've been it's been a very productive like five or six years where i just had a million uh pots on 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 several burners and now i'm trying to uh yeah complete the I, i don't i'm struggling to wrap up that that
0: metaphor the culinary one but <laughs> I'm uh, hungry I'm also I, a bit hungry you hungry it's uh, I'm, yeah. I'm getting a little peckish yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah I mean there's a, there. I, I just um, produced like a US Girls live record uh, oh. that was sort of an archival project that I'm really pleased with and um, we'll, we'll be playing some US Girls shows in Europe in November and I'm helping to produce an album by my friend Amanda from the band Ice Cream and Starling oh, nice. Shrug nice And, uh, there's a Darlene Shrug record that we just finished this week. So there's still stuff, but, um, I'm trying to like work through it so I can get to a space of just sort of not knowing what I'm going to do instead of being like, ah, there's these seven unfinished records that need finishing, which has sort of been my creative condition for the last decade. It feels like, well,
0: listen, uh, for what it's worth, if you want to come back on the show to talk about any of those things, I really respect your work and your work ethic. So, uh, uh, again, for what it's worth, please consider it an open invitation. I can't wait to hear these things.
1: Thanks, Fish. You've been very generous with the space. I'm happy to be a repeat uh, <laughs> guest. So thank you. I oh, appreciate no. that. I appreciate what you do.
0: My pleasure. Now, if people want to learn more about uh, you, Badge, Symphony Orchestra, anything else, uh, these records, I think, that we've been talking about today are all. Uh, have a home rather on uh, telephone explosion records, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, so that's one destination, I think. Again, we'll find out in a moment. Yep. Um, is there anywhere else you want to direct people online or is there anything you need to correct about what I just said?
1: <laughs> nope, yeah. just badge, epic, dot com would be a good spot.
0: Okay. As long as Bandcamp still exists by the time people hear this. I don't know. Every time I talk about a, the, the internet thing, I feel like I have to couch it this way now qualify it yeah so by the time you hear this if twitter still exists you know like that's what yeah. i have to say yeah
1: i feel like instagram's probably not going anywhere at least for the next couple of years so yeah maybe that's the that's the spot i'm, I'm on all the spots
0: <laughs> okay i'll i'll link to as many of the spots as i possibly can uh interesting Thank point you. in the show normally i ask people if we can go out on a song and i will ask you that but we've got two records to uh, really manage oh, yeah. on some level. Um, I have given people a flavor of one of them in the opening intro, so I think we should, and I don't, as I'm speaking to you, I don't know which one that is, but uh, <laughs> I'm just letting you know that uh, uh, if, if, if we don't get to both right now, uh, someone, they, yeah. they will have had a flavor of the other. So okay. keep that in mind in case you're having trouble deciding. Uh, sure. Max, if we can go out on a song from your recent and incredible catalog, uh, what would you like yeah. to go out on, and why?
1: Well, I guess if we could go chronologically, maybe there's just something symphony orchestra related off the top, hmm. and we could go into bowls at the end. I don't want to dominate, you know, your decision making here, but <laughs> bowls by Bad Epic Ensemble would be some good outro music. Um, I just made a fantastic music video with my friend, Canada's greatest songwriter, in my opinion, Chris Cummings of Marker Starling oh, nice. and he did a wonderful job starring in this music video so I would uh, direct folks to check that out and check out the tune first Bowls by Badge Epic Ensemble
0: I love that uh, Chris Cummings and Marker Starling keep getting mentioned on the show I have to have Chris uh, Joseph Shabison just mentioned him as well on a recent episode so, oh amazing yeah so we and, and, and Chris has been on the show but maybe again time for a return visit maybe I'll send an email so uh, that's nice to hear uh, from the wonderful new album Air Light and Harmony by Badge Epic Ensemble. This is Bowls Max, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for me. I, I hope you enjoyed yourself and I, I wish you the best of luck in the future. Talk soon, I hope.
1: Thanks, Fish. Take care now.
0: Always a pleasure to have uh, Max Turnbull on this show. Actually, I did something new. I don't know, for those of you who keep track of the show regularly, I have a related episode section of my show notes. I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. It's so obvious that if someone is discovering the show because of an interview with an artist, and that artist has been on the show before or has been talked about in some capacity, why in the heck wouldn't I mention... I Sometimes I say it here, but I linked, I linked to all as many of the sort of related episodes to Max as I could. So, man, 10 years in, new features on Creative Control. Uh, again, thanks to Max for appearing on episode uh, 814 of this podcast, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever you get your podcast. I said podcast a lot more than I usually do there. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook still and follow the show on Twitter still at Vish Creative or you can follow me directly on Instagram and on Twitter at Vishkana. You can also find me on Blue Sky and Threads and uh, TikTok and uh, lots of other things too. So there's a link tree in the um, show notes as well. and Just click on that and you can follow me wherever you like. Uh, oh, I got to update that link tree. There's so many things there. Anyway, enough about that. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 American or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content. Uh, you also get episodes earlier than everybody else. And also, if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Oh, that reminds me. I owe, I owe a message to someone who asked for a second shirt recently. They, uh, they... They wore out their other one, and I said, "Well, I haven't said anything yet. That's why I got to respond to the email." Sorry, Adam. I'll write you back soon. Thanks again to the wonderful Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. That's also where you can go to place uh, special orders or or orders that aren't as special. You know, some some orders just aren't that special. Let's let's face it. I also, want to thank Pizza Trocadero, the Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for the show Thanks as always to my dear friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this uh, podcast You can learn more about him at jimguthrie.org And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with uh, Max Turnbull from uh, Badge Epic Ensemble but also Symphony Orchestra a band that took me by surprise Hard to keep up with everything Max is up to Uh, I hope you like what you've heard on this show from those bands And we'll check out their new albums. And thanks for listening to the show and spreading the word about it. And that's pretty much it. I will talk to you very soon, I hope. Bye for now.